Hey dads, happy Father's Day. Now a couple years ago, we had a wonderful, wonderful blessing in our church. Dr. Tim Kimmel came and he spent a couple weekends with us. One where he did a message called Grace-Based Parenting, where the whole weekend was about being better parents. And then another weekend where we did one called Grace-Based Marriage. And those were turning points for a lot of our marriages and a lot of the families in our church. And since then, Dr. Kimmel has been an incredible friend. He has had 38 years investing in families, writing books. In fact, if you look on Right Now Media, we've actually prepared an entire page with many of his resources having to do with uh, marriage and parenting and dealing with times where our kids are struggling and a really powerful teaching on being a grandparent. And so Tim is just an incredible resource, has been a resource for us for years. Well, recently, Tim, who's become a friend, I reached out to him and I asked him if he would share a message of encouragement for the fathers of our church this Father's Day. And he graciously has prepared a message just for us here at Jacob's Well. And so without further ado, I want to just welcome Dr. Tim Kimmel this Father's Day. I want to start out by saying hello to all of you folks there at Jacob's Well. I love your church. I've enjoyed the times I've been able to participate alongside you and the wonderful ways you guys are keeping God's light shining bright in your part of Wisconsin. And I so appreciate your pastor and a great team of people that serves alongside of him. And I'm honored to be part of this virtual gathering on this special day on the calendar. And with that in mind, Happy Father's Day. Now, now even though this, this message is about honoring our dads, there's something in it for all of you. But, but let's, this, this Sunday is set aside every June to honor you and me and those of us who have children out there who view us differently than any other man in their life. Kids who need something from us that few other men in their lives can deliver and who, when they talk to us, call us dad. Your church loves you. And they wanted this Sunday sermon to focus in on the life-impacting role you play in your kids' lives and how much God wants to come alongside you to help you do that. Now, some of you dads are right in the middle of it all. I mean, you're hip deep in the daily stuff of your kids' lives. You, along with their mother, spend most of your time feeling really tired. Happy Father's Day to you. And some of you are trying to make an impact within the boundaries of a custody schedule. The, the original plan you started out with had some setbacks that required it to be changed, but it hasn't diminished your love for your kids. I mean, if anything, it's intensified it. I'm glad you're listening in. Happy Father's Day to you. And some of you have kids who call you dad that may have a different man's name on their birth certificate. You've stepped into their life through marriage or foster care or adoption, but there's no doubt they've been assigned by God to enjoy a safe place in your heart as, they, as, as you play out such a strategic role in their, in their life. Happy Father's Day to you. And some of you fathers who are, are like me, uh, you've launched your children into adulthood. Your role has moved from being a daily resource in their life to an ongoing reference point. But even though they may have moved on, there's not a day in your life when they aren't on your mind. We celebrate you men too. Whatever it may be, one thing I feel confident about is that you deeply love your kids. And I hope this day serves as an encouraging reminder of how much they depend on that love and how much they love you too. 
Well, fortunately, God hasn't left us in the dark about how to step up to our roles as fathers and is right there for us to supply the strength and the courage and the direction we need to play out those roles for His glory. In, in Proverbs chapter 24, verses 3 and 4, it says, By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established, and by knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. You know, you know, if you look at what that verse is saying to us from our perspective as dads, it's saying that we're called to bring a keen sense of understanding, practical knowledge, and proven wisdom to our role as, as fathers. Now, it's understanding, knowledge, and wisdom that ultimately fills the hearts of the people in our family picture with a lot of precious and pleasant assets they can use to build their lives. And even if you're young and fairly inexperienced, God wants to come alongside you to help you do those things effectively. And so today, we celebrate the dads and granddads of this church. God has given you the sacred trust and time, time, timely honor of serving as point men for your family. Now, that's a military term that, that, that refers to the person who leads the patrol through enemy territory. It's the person that has to have all their senses on red alert, looking for the tripwires and the booby traps of life, for the ambushes. And they're, they are also usually the person that gets attacked first. But when it comes to actually doing this, here's the good news. All we have to do is take our cues from the Lord on how to pull this off with dignity and determination. See, God looks at all of us through the lens of His amazing grace. Grace is giving someone something they desperately need, but don't necessarily deserve. Let me say that one again. Grace is giving someone something they desperately need, but don't necessarily deserve. You know, men, like God did for you and me. In Psalm 103, verses 8 through 13, this is kind of a compilation within there. It says, The Lord is merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. As a father shows compassion for his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. See, we need to be grace-based dads. And this starts by being a recipient of God's grace. You know, by putting our trust in him and asking him for forgiveness. Faith in Jesus is the launch pad of our role as grace-based fathers. From there... Get this, all we have to do after that is simply treat our kids the way God treats us. That single statement I just made summarizes the essence of grace-based parenting. Just treat your kids the way God treats you. And for the record, let's remember what that doesn't look like and what it does look like. See, God doesn't guilt us or shame us or compare us or threaten us or keep score or get even. His grace in action looks like joy and peace and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And with that in mind, let me close off our time together by taking three things God does for us and list them off as three things we can in turn do for our kids. The first one is this, like our Heavenly Father, grace-based dads sacrificially love their kids. If I was to pick out the cornerstone passage for grace-based and grace-filled relationships, it would be Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. It says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, 
Let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. You see, Paul defends this expectation by pointing to Jesus and how he dealt with us. He was outwardly focused and others-oriented from start to finish. And Paul is just saying, I'm, I'm just asking you to treat others the way Jesus has treated you. So what would this passage look like applied to our, to our lives? Well, two things when it comes to loving our kids. Uh, loving our kids sacrificially involves first receiving them as a gift from God. They're not a booby prize from your parents, but when they're pushing your buttons and driving you nuts, I'm sure some of your parents get a kick out of it. Uh, it reminds them of what it was like raising you. Uh, we need to receive them as individuals with their own unique design. Now, now, their unique design may not always measure up to the world's superficial and shallow standards, but for us, our kids are always seen as amazing works of art. I have a friend named Greg Speck. He's, a, he's an incredible communicator to junior high and high school kids. And he was speaking at a high school camp when a girl pulled him aside to tell him her story. Through junior high and high school, this girl had taken a lot of criticism from her peers for her looks. In their eyes, she simply got left out in the looks department. Girls teased her about certain features of her face or her body. And what seemed to validate the criticism she endured was the fact that no boy had ever shown her any attention. And, and she felt so isolated and she felt so un, unacceptable and, and so alone. And in her desperation for acceptance, she decided that if she just gave herself away to some boy and had sex with him, it would offset this void she felt. Um, and so she approached a, a boy in one of her classes and they uh, made the offer and they decided to rendezvous that Friday night to make this all happen. She got ready and was slipping through the family room to head out the front door. Her dad was there reading the newspaper and he looked up from it as she got to the door and he looked at her and said, oh honey, you are so beautiful. You are a stunning young woman. And she stopped and she turned to look at her dad and then she immediately started to cry. Hey, oh, well, honey, come here, what's wrong? And he held her and then he heard her story. He assured her of her dignity, value and beauty as a young woman. And, and in the process, he gave her a whole new opinion of herself and she never met up with that boy. She learned that she measured up in the eyes of the most important man in her life. And it was what she needed and turned out to be all she needed from that point on. To ignore all the shallow opinions of her peers and instead hold her head high as a person. So one way we love our kids is by receiving them as a gift from God. But there's another thing we can do besides receiving them. And that loving our kids sacrificially ultimately involves releasing them. To fulfill God's plan for their lives. In Psalm 127 verses 3 and 4, it says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Now, if, if I was a warrior or you men were warriors and we were depending on bows and arrows and arrows in our quiver, you know, for, for bringing victory, 
I'd want to be so careful, so careful and so deliberate about every arrow I'd fire. And the reason is because I know there's a limited amount of them in my quiver. And so we have to, we have to do all the preparation for those kids, but ultimately launch them. My father helped my brothers and I make sure we had this clear in our mind from, from, from time we were little kids. He, he, he had two rules for us, me and my, uh, my four brothers. He says, I want you in by 12. And I want you out by 18. Now, he thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> and, and, but he was also serious. He said, no, look, well, Mom and I will work like men to do our best to have you ready. You, but you'll never, ever be completely ready. But you got to launch. And, and, and you got to take it from there. Now, I'm sure college is, is maybe extended that day. But somewhere, that's ultimately, we, we send them on their way. I love the way Neil Postman said it. He said, children are a gift we send to a time we will not see. Now, besides sacrificially loving our kids, a second thing we can learn from God is, like our Heavenly Father, grace-based dads enthusiastically serve their kids. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 2-3 to says, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, and not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. I said, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold it, Tim. Isn't that verse about, like, pastors or leaders of churches? Well, there's a specific application of that verse to people that lead the church, but there's a generic one, a general one, to anybody that leads anyone, any believer that leads anyone. But let's go back to that first one, because I think that one actually is, applies to you and your role, because my favorite definition of the family is uh, something that the uh, late Pope John Paul wrote in Latin in one of his things. He, he referred to the family as a domestic church. He said the, the family is the smallest church out there. All our local churches is a collection of these domestic churches. Moms, moms and dads are pastorettes and pastors of the smallest church out there. And listen, our local churches are only as healthy as the collective health of those domestic churches showing up. And, and so we have a, a huge responsibility here. And, and one of the ways we enthusiastically serve our kids is by caring for them. According to that verse, we, we want to consider it a privilege to work hard and play a significant role in providing for them. We don't want to do this begrudgingly. It's not that we have to do this, it's that we get to. And another thing we learn from that verse is by, we, we do it by making our children a priority. We do it eagerly. You know, we're, we're, we're interested in, in, in their lives and their friends and their hopes and their fears. And, and, and let me, let me kind of glean another thing from that verse. We, one of the ways we serve them is by keeping them under control, but never trying to control them. Um, I wrote a book called The High Cost of High Control. And, and in there, here's how I define high control. is when I leverage the strength of my personality or my position against your weaknesses in order to get you to meet my selfish agenda. You see, as parents, we're never supposed to do that. As dads, we're not supposed to do that. We keep them under control, but not control them. Because see, God hasn't wired any of us to, to respond well to high control. And, and, and I think we enthusiastically serve our kids by cultivating a heart-connected relationship with them. Uh, I love that term. You know, in fact, somebody pinned me down and said, what's the primary role of a Christian parent? I'd put it this way. It, it is to connect 
to the heart of a child in such a way that it makes it so much easier for that child to connect to the heart of God. When, when, when that's where we're coming from, it changes everything. And what does that look like? We, we ask them questions and, 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 and we listen to their answers. We, we, give, we use a lot of affirming words and meaningful touch. We show affection to them, hugs and kisses, and tell them that we love them. It changes everything for them. And I think another way we serve them is we spend time doing things that they enjoy doing. Uh, moms are really good at this. We have to work at that a little bit more, doing things that they enjoy. And, and I think another thing a dad does to care for his kids is he prays with them and he prays for them. Now, besides sacrificially loving our kids and enthusiastically serving our kids, a third thing we learned from the Lord is, like, like our Heavenly Father, grace-based dads humbly lead their kids. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7 says, And these words that I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. This passage is about us, how we take an active thing in discipling our kids. Now, obviously, the biggest way we can lead our kids this way is through our example of godly character, being men of integrity and honesty and compassion and humility. And, and, and one of the most effective ways, I think, to develop the kind of example that our kids can count on is to live our lives in daily dependence and connection to God's heart through His Word and through prayer. You know, uh, as I bring this to a close, I wrote a book called Basic Training for a Few Good Men. And as I was writing it this many years ago, when I was writing this, though, my dad died right in the middle of the process of writing this manuscript, and I dedicated the book to him. But as I was kind of bringing it to a close, I, I, I kind of uh, in this uh, chapter called Taps, I, I, I kind of wrote a little tribute to him, and I wanted to share a little bit with you, because I think it's germane to how we end this thing. I said my father had been a warrior. He fought in the famous Battle of the Bulge, 10th Armored Division, the 3rd Army. His commanding general was the legendary and infamous General George Patton. Dad would be the first one to downplay his role in the war, and he'd be quick to get after me if he thought I was playing it up. He never viewed himself as anything more than a ground pounder doing his duty. In the world's eyes, dad never, my dad never really rose above the rank of private. He was a simple man from a blue-collar family who worked for people most of his life, other people. And he, and he sang in a church choir, he bowled every Friday night, and he tapped his feet to a lot of big band music. When dad died, it was like finishing the reading of a great book. It was a story filled with adventure and surprises and lots of laughs. And when me and my siblings closed the back cover of that book and rested in our hands for one last time, we realized that Dad had finished writing his story without regrets. It's a story we'll all reread in our memories and I hope retell in our actions. My father died a wealthy man because of the way he had invested himself throughout his life. He wasn't wealthy in the way most people determined bottom lines. He had little of this world's goods or money to his name the moment he died. Yet he was wealthy in the ways that matter most when you finally come to the end of your journey. He was rich in friends, and he was rich in family, and he was rich in faith. 
Dad proved that you don't need a long list of academic degrees to be wise. You don't need a Fortune 500 resume to make an impact. You don't need gold-plated friends to be admired. And you don't have to be tall to be looked up to. Now, I know what some of you guys are saying. Well, that's just great for you, Tim. You had this great role model. But what about me? My father wasn't there for me. I don't have anything like that. Listen, if you've put your faith in Jesus, you have all the role model you need in him. Think about it. Jesus was tender to children. He was respectful to women. He was at ease around strong, determined men. He was fearless in the face of evil and hypocritical people. And he was obedient to God. Now, listen, all you dads, you're going to struggle. You'll fall short. You'll get it wrong sometimes. We all do. There are no perfect fathers out there. But even if there were, they're not what our children need or what they most long for. You know what your, your kids need? It's not a perfect dad. They just need an imperfect, grace-based dad. And they'll be just fine. In fact, it's God's grace that turns us into championship-level fathers, even with our shortcomings and missteps. Let me give you a quote. I bet you know who I'm talking about. He says, I've, I've, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I was, I'd been trusted to take the game-winning shot, and I missed. I failed over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. That was Michael Jordan, man. You just don't quit. You get, keep at it. Listen, Walter Payton, he's in the, in the Hall of Fame. He rushed the football for over nine miles when you put the numbers together. But when you also do the math from the statistics, on average, every 4.6 yards, some huge guy came along and knocked him down. Listen, man, you're going to get knocked down in your career as a dad. Just do your best to fall forward when that happens. And in the end, I assure you, your kids will put you in their personal hall of fame for people who made a huge impact in their life. Listen, with all this in mind, we celebrate your dad. Happy Father's Day. So grateful for Dr. Kimmel and his wisdom and his heart. And again, I want to remind you, in a spirit of next steps, that there's some incredible resources on Right Now Media. Dr. Kimmel has actually written dozens of books. He's got teachings. He's got small group curriculum. And so take some time to take a look. Maybe this has challenged you, and maybe you as an individual or your group to scroll into this area of strengthening family, strengthening marriage, even preparing to be an incredible Christian grandparent for your grandchildren. In any case, we're so glad that you're with us this weekend. Happy Father's Day.